Before we get started with the show today, I have a listener who I would like to thank for a donation. Jacqueline Webster donated $10 to us via PayPal. So thank you so much, Jacqueline, for your donation. If you would like your own shout out on the Messy Studio Podcast, please go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right hand corner. And there you can set up a single time donation or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount. So that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. And thanks again to Jacqueline Webster for her donation. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Techner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are talking about handling critique. It can be very unsettling to put your work in front of someone else for critique. We may fear harsh, judgmental comments. Yet the value of critique is exactly that, the chance to gain an outside perspective and insight. And very often, criticism can be given and received in a supportive way. Today, we'll talk about the positive aspects of critique, as well as handling negative criticism with regards to our own work. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Uh, as somebody who's been making art for well over 30 years now, and I've gone through both art college and graduate school, uh, I've definitely had my share of the kind of criticism that's really disheartening that you, you know, you just feel crushed by it. Um, and there's been things too that just didn't make any sense to me. Like they seem to be completely off track and the person didn't really get where I was coming from at all. Um, but I also have had, you know, really valuable critiques in those same situations as well as later, um, and as a more mature artist, especially with artists who um, were my peers, are my peers, and having these kind of really constructive um, conversations. So these kind of the kind of the positive aspect and the negative aspect of this kind of thing are pretty different experiences. And I think we lose out when we lump them together and say, I don't want to go there, you know. Um, and this podcast, I want to talk about you know, how we can seek out and, and benefit from the positive, the constructive kind, and also to avoid being shut down by, um, you know, more destructive kinds. And so I, to start out with, I thought, well, I'm going to look up these two words, as I sometimes do as a starting point, because they mean different things to different people sometimes. So uh, the definition of critique I found was a detailed analysis, or if it's a verb, to evaluate. And I think this implies a pretty objective point of view. Um, it's you're not looking to find fault. In other words, you're you're just looking at it as objectively as possible, and um, talking about it in a in a not a especially personal way. Whereas the word criticism um, has two meanings. One is <laughs> this is the one that's a little scarier. One is the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. <laughs> Uh, but the second meaning, which is um, applied to forms of art, is the analysis and judgment of the merits and faults of a literary or artistic work. And this one is closer in meaning than to critique, um, although there seems to be a little more emphasis on judgment in a negative sense. Um, 
I think we've probably all heard the advice of, you know, if you want to criticize somebody, tell them something nice first and then tell them the, the negative thing that you really started out to say. <laughs> you know, like if you have to tell somebody bad, tell them something nice first. But your real point is to tell them something negative. So I think that's why, you know, most of us don't like the word criticism. It it feels harsh. Whereas critique in right. the art world has a more, it, it can definitely be a much more positive experience. Well, and I think it's also important to uh, provide them with a path forward. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if all you're, if all someone is doing is telling you how much they don't like what you did, then that is frankly kind of just insulting. It is. You know, but if they say, you know, I like what you did here. I don't like what you did here, but I think that it can be fixed in this way. You know, then it's like, okay, I, I get where you're coming well, from. Well, right. And then you, you have a sort of feeling of like you're working together with somebody on something rather than, hey, right. it's all on you. And you don't, I mean, you, I think whenever you receive uh, words like that, you know, you want a chance to, to say your part. I mean, sometimes people, they might write something or tell you in such a way that, or maybe you're just taken aback by what they say, and you don't have a chance to really respond. And, and you know, there's two sides to it. So you, you have reasons why you did what you did, and um, you need to be heard. I think that's a big thing in all of this, right. is you need to be able to um, say what you want to say. And well, and sometimes the person offering criticism is just simply not your target audience, and they just don't get it, and it's not intended for them to get right. And so one of the, yeah, one of the things I really want to talk about is consider the source, um, and that that initial feeling, like if you somebody tells you something and you feel you know sort of stung, like kind of hurt, and you feel defensive, um, and kind of recognizing that this this particular form of criticism is probably not as valid as other ways of going about it. Um, it may come from that person's ego, some desire to hurt you. I mean, who knows? Or it may be perfectly valid and they're just not very good at expressing it. But it's it's that moment when you feel that thing of, oh, ouch, you know, that, that you have to look within yourself and see, is there something there? Or is this um, really not applicable. And I, I think if you can tell yourself something like, yeah, actually, I don't really want to hear that right now. I mean, that's kind of being honest. I'm, I'm feeling a little defensive, but I also recognize there's some truth in that. Um, you know, it could upset you in the moment, but, you know, it, it's not that I'm saying totally discount something. It seems a little harsh because there can be a truth in that. And often you recognize it and you say, yeah, you know, in some part of my brain, I have realized that or I have thought that myself. So that's your good clue to, um, okay, try to get something out of this, you know. <laughs> um, but that that kind of the destructive criticism can really have a powerful impact. And so many people I've talked to as artists will tell a story about somebody said something really harsh to them when they were young or they were in college and that was kind of it you know that that door closed <laughs> uh it's it's interesting how much attention we pay to those really negative things people right. people could tell us 20 great things and we'd remember the one thing that wasn't so great um 
Well, and it's funny how we were we do remember those things and those people more than we remember the the good and positive influences. It's very strange. Um, you know, when I look back <laughs> at my college art classes, the instructor that I remember is probably the worst art teacher that I've ever had. You know, and that's so and he sad. Had, he taught a class. Yeah, he he taught a class that was, um, I think it was principles of three D design or something like that. Um, and it was a uh, required art course for all 3D students. And so it, it, in my um, in my my path uh, through the course credit, um, you know for a, for a degree, I would have to pass his class. Yeah. And he knew that every student that took his class was somebody who had to pass it. And if they didn't pass it, then they'd have to retake it with him. Mm. And he, he really like lorded that over oh his students. Oh my gosh. And, and really, um, he, I, I got the impression that he was not terribly successful in his own art career. And that this was just his opportunity to tear people down mm-hmm. and to enjoy it. And, uh, and yeah, he was, he was the worst art teacher I've ever had. <laughs> well, it's interesting and, that uh, if I could remember his name, I'd say his name on the podcast, but, <laughs> but he was the worst. Well, and, it's, and, uh, it's kind of odd that, you know, we, we did a podcast recently about the good things that instructors say, and we, we can remember those right, too, right. but it is those, you know, sometimes those really stinging remarks and things that it's like, why, why as people do we remember those so strongly? I, I was thinking uh, when I was writing up these notes about one day when I was looking at um, my video on YouTube or looking at comments on my video on YouTube, which was a video done quite some time ago, but showed me painting and whatnot. There's all these really nice things people say. And then somebody said something about, um, you know, obviously I can't draw and, you know, what a lame excuse for an artist or something. And I was sitting there just starting to fume and... um, I thought, well, how does this person know I can't draw? You know, I taught life drawing and, you know, la, 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 la. I'm getting all like worked up about it. And I remember you were in the kitchen. You said, mom, haters going to hate. And then, <laughs> and then, and then about two minutes later, you went upstairs to your computer. About two minutes later, I get this message from you that shows this kind of goofy looking kid riding his tricycle and stuff. And he's like, this kid does not care what any- Yeah, the one that looks like a unicorn. He does not care at all <laughs> what anyone thinks of him. And he's having a good time and he's riding his bike and it says, haters going to hate. And I just laughed and I thought, yeah, you know, it's, there are people who just want to dump on you. And, and what is the point, you know? And usually they're anonymous. Usually you never know who they are if it's online. So anyway, all that to say, uh, you know, that's the downside. And we'll touch on that a little bit more later right. on. But but on the good side. But there's also a really positive absolutely. side to even negative feedback. Well, right. If you can sort through it, put your feelings aside. And like I said, kind of, you know, figure out if, it's, if there is some base to it that you want to address. I mean, that person had really nothing of importance to say to me, um, but sometimes they do. Um, And so, uh, you know, critique of any kind uh, really can be very energizing and and point you in a new direction. It could be positive. Um, And it's really good, especially if you seek it out, like you say, I'm ready for this. I want to hear this. Um, And you're, you're ready to engage with it instead of it sort of blindsiding you. Um, And so, I'm going to focus on a few things about about the more positive aspects of critique. Um, we we did a podcast a while ago. I think it was uh, 113, 
number 113, that dealt with uh, this kind of inner voices that uh, come from negative criticism. So we've kind of talked about how that could affect you. And there's a couple of other related ones early on um, about self-critique and about talking about your work um, and avoiding talking about your work. But we really haven't talked about, I don't think, about how you know, how to get something out of when you when you have more of a formal critique. So that's kind of, I got a few points about that. And the first one is, uh, why why would you why would you seek out a critique? Um, and we we talked about it's a fresh pair of eyes, it's a fresh perspective. Um, sometimes uh, you know it, you you could seek it out at a point where you're frustrated and you're blocked, and this is you know some way to break out of that. So it's really a positive move to say, um, and you're not maybe you're feeling frustrated with your work, you're not so happy with it anyway. So. If somebody says, well, I see you have a big problem with your composition, you know, or whatever, and they should offer reasons whenever they say something like that. But you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, that maybe that's it. Maybe that's the problem. Because <laughs> you kind of open, you know there's a problem. You, you want to get through it. Um, I will say I don't think critique is especially – this type of critique about um, – where your work is going or how to make it better is not especially helpful for a real beginner. Um, or it's a different type of critique because a real beginner is trying to get some, you know, they can definitely use feedback on ways to use visual elements and just the really basic stuff, but there's less to work with. And I think, I think the really best time for, to get into some deeper critique is when you have your own ideas going and then, you know, you can bounce off the person who's talking to you and saying, well, this is what I'm trying to do. And here's what I've done before. And I'd like it to go in this way. And there's just more, um, you have more background, you know, you have the language. Um, and, and obviously, beginners need lots of help in lots of ways. But this kind of deeper, more conceptual critique, if you feel like you get to the point where um, kind of got the skills, but you don't know quite what to do with them. <laughs> I think it's an ideal time to to ask for um, help in clarifying, help in comparing this piece to that piece, kind of discussing where you're going with it all. And this kind of thing, you know, you can set this up with, there are artists that offer critique services, there are mentors and that kind of thing, or it could just be another artist. Um, I mean, who, who to get who to get involved in this is a, is another big question. Um, I've had really good feedback from artists who are friends of mine who really have just said maybe one or two things that helped me see something in my work that I had not seen before. And this happened really recently. I was showing a friend some um, paintings from a series and I could tell they were all closely related, but there were a couple that were a little different. And he just right away went to those slightly different ones and said, oh, you know, there's a different energy here, and I like this kind of movement, and, and went on like that. And it was really helpful because I hadn't been able to articulate what it was, and, and then I saw it really clearly. So, and and when, when you do this with a friend, it, you really should try to reciprocate. I mean, they they've given you something and you say, okay, so I like to see your work sometime. And it's really important um, that it's not just about you. If, if it's a, a peer and a friend, uh, turn around and offer it back again. Well, I think that um, as 
As friends and family, we do have an opportunity to be more honest with each other um, than if it's just somebody on Twitter or something that you've never met before. Yeah. Um, and and there's a, that was a point that uh, that Dave Gita made in, in his interview with us. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, when when you're talking with somebody who is a friend or a family member or somebody who you just really respect. Um, and who respects you? Um, there's uh, there's definitely more opportunity to to give both positive and negative feedback in a way that is constructive mm-hmm. and can be accepted without w- with the knowledge that this person is not trying to hurt you. Right. It really um, trusts them. You know. Yeah. And right. And when we were talking with with Dave, there were a couple times when he was like, "Oh, you guys are wrong about that." <laughs> <laughs> you know. We kind of went, and "Yeah, yeah, okay." <laughs> Well, but if it's if it's somebody that's just out of the blue who you don't have a background with telling you that, uh-huh. then you tend to just kind of roll your eyes. But when it's Dave, it's like, oh, well, tell me what I'm wrong about so I can so I can fix it. You know. Well, and you know that's a good example of when you know you're you're a beginner. We are a beginner in his world, and so right. when you're a beginner, uh, to be humble to say, okay, I don't know that. Um, yeah, tell me about that, you know, uh, because you, you realize you don't know what you don't know until you're talking to somebody who does, you know, <laughs> it is easier to say, okay, tell me um, what you have to say. Real quick, I want to take a break and mention our sponsor for today's show, which is Multimedia Artboard. Are you tired of wrestling with painting surfaces that buckle and curl? Try Multimedia Artboard products for a simple solution. Multimedia Artboard products are dimensionally stable and archival. Multimedia Artboard's products work for many different media, including cold wax, pastel, oil, acrylic, and more. Don't miss the Memorial Day sale starting today through May 27th and get 30% off at checkout by using the code Go paint. All one word, go paint. So visit www.multimediaartboard.com for more details. That's www.multimediaartboard.com and use promo code go paint at checkout for 30% off. Back to the show. And and you mentioned getting um, feedback from family members and things like that. A lot of times these are not people that are in your field. I mean, they, they may not be artists. And or have that art background. And in a way, you know, sometimes people will tell you things and you say, oh, well, you know, it's like somebody might say a friend or relative. Well, I don't know. I don't really like abstraction or something. <laughs> I'd say, oh, okay, well, um, that's all right. I get it. Um, you know, you make allowances and try to hear if they do have something interesting. But But the fact is they are telling you something that a non-art person might say in response to your work. And you do want to hear that sometimes. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of your audience doesn't really know what you're up to. They're just responding visually. Um, but the, I, I was thinking of a little story from the past when um, uh, Ben, your brother, was a teenager and he was in my studio and he was looking at my stuff, you know, and I said, um, uh, I, w- I was doing these kind of lands- very landscape-like things. And, you know, I was kind of like feeling pretty good about him. And he just looked at me and he said, Mom, I don't really think this is your best work. <laughs> 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 and it was, I was like, well, 
what makes you say that? You know, I mean, I was a little taken aback. And he's like 16 years old, right? But he always did have a really good eye and he always respected my work. And I have to say, I thought about that and I thought, you know what? He's right. This is people pleasing work. I'm just trying to make nice landscapes that people will buy. And this was, um, you know, a long time ago and I was still trying to figure it out. And it really had an impact on me and it was very blunt. And, and yet, you know, I took it and I, I really, it really helped me actually. So <laughs> anyway, ask your teenage kids what they think about your art now and then and see what happens. So, <laughs> um, who else you might want to involve is, is an instructor. I mean, if you're in a situation of knowing somebody who teaches or you're in a class or whatever it is, you know, they're obviously, you know, most of them <laughs> well-trained to respond to this. Um, and even uh, sometimes people you work with in a gallery, although they're going to have a very different perspective, they're looking for what they know will sell. But um, it can still be, I mean, with when you know somebody where somebody's coming from and you ask them something, then you just weigh that in. But they may be clearly able to see this type of work is stronger that you're doing than this other type. And and they will not hesitate to tell you if you ask because it is in their or an interest to have the better work. So, um, you know, those are all people you could reach out to if you want some feedback. But I really do believe the best situation is to have somebody in your studio um, sit down, relax, talk, and it's a conversation. You know, it's not one-sided because whoever you're talking to should be interested in, um, you know, what it is you're trying to do. And I think before you get involved in that, you have to kind of do a little attitude check of your own. And we've talked about, you know, these things can make you feel nervous or defensive. Um, kind of mentioned that if you really are a beginner or a beginner at a certain technique, um, you know, be humble because there's a lot you don't know. And if you're in a workshop or a class, I mean, you're going to expect some feedback and, if you respect the instructor, then it's all good. If you don't, well, you have to make your own decisions about it, I guess. Um, but I really think before you involve yourself in any of this, um, decide if you're at the point in your work where you're ready for it. Do you actually want this right now? Because it's going to bring up questions. It's going to bring up new ideas. It's going to shake you up a little bit. Even the most positive response, you're getting somebody else's point of view. And are you at a point where this is useful to you? Or is it going to get in the way somehow? Um, so I think <laughs> it's it, there's no formula for knowing when you're right. It's a feeling. And um, basically... I would say it's where you have a lot of positive feelings about your own work because you've been practicing and you've been building this thing up and you don't feel entirely negative about it. You feel like because if somebody says something slightly negative, you don't want to be crushed by it. So you want to have a, a solid feeling of basic satisfaction of or acknowledgement that you've come a long way, you have some skills, et cetera. And then how can you go forward? How can you build on this? What are your strengths and what do you need to work on? And those kind of things. That's a good point I, to uh, ask for this kind of thing. Um, and like I said, setting it up, not, not, 
we will hear things that come out of the blue that somebody just says randomly to you. Uh, but the best kind of critique is it's actually kind of a formal situation. I mean, you, you've said to somebody, will you come and look at my work? And they say yes. And so um, the focus is going to be totally on your work. They're not coming over for coffee or something. They're coming, you know, to really spend time and, and looking. And um, so ideally, they're going to make some effort and you should be prepared to provide what's behind this work. You know, they, they should be interested in what you're trying to do rather than coming at it totally from their own perspective. And it's, we all have our biases. Um, and it's good if people just admit that, you know, <laughs> like, well, actually my bias is for abstraction, but uh, you're showing me your realistic work. I'm going to look at it as objectively as possible, for example. Um, and, you know, that needs to be kind of out in the open if it's if it's an issue, if somebody feels that they have some bias and it's pretty hard to avoid. Um, but they should be asking you, well, you know, how did you come to this work and where are you going with it? And and if they don't, then you start talking about that and get that out there because that's really the basis. I mean, to me, the basis is what does the artist want to do? You know, what is the artist going for? And then we'll look at is that succeeding? Uh, is there things that they can do to make that better? And where are they? Which ones are successful? You know, where are they hitting it? So a conversation, you know, and at the same time, I think it's fine if people go off track a little bit, because sometimes you can find out pretty interesting things. So you don't want to, like, there's some kind of balance between um, controlling the situation and not controlling the situation. I think kind of setting it up, inviting someone over, setting the stage for we're going to look at my work. And then um, and then if they if they go off on some sidetrack about some artist you never heard of or whatever, I mean, pay attention because this might be something there that you, you had no idea this was going to come up. And, you know, that's just respectful for where they're coming from. Another thing I would say to, to be a little careful about is if people are trying to give you a lot of solutions and saying um, something like, uh, you know, I, I think your color isn't strong enough. So right here, you should add some bright red and down here, maybe a contrasting color and, you know, that kind of thing. Very specific solutions. And some teachers especially are prone to do this. And that isn't helpful in the big picture, right? I mean, that's for that painting maybe, but the best situation is somebody's giving you ideas you can take forward, not red here or blue there, but what do I need to make the color work better and some, you know, more conceptual idea about it. So I'd be a little, you know, if somebody's really wanting to go there and, and look at every little detail on your painting and say they would change this or that, uh, you know, I, I would say next time get somebody else to look at your work. <laughs> that I, I think that in that situation, what you really want to understand is why are they making that specific suggestion? Yeah. Um, and even if it's not a suggestion that you want to take, you want to understand their reasoning. Cause maybe it's like, you know, it has to do with, um, you know, the rule of thirds and point of interest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's some, you know, really like 
kind of fundamental reason right. behind their suggestion. And that's useful information to know, even if it doesn't necessarily fit in that painting at that time. Right. And the person saying those things may not even really be aware of why. They're just responding intuitively, okay, it needs more blue or whatever. Right. But if you say, well, why do you say that? What What is the reasoning behind that so that I can understand, so that I could apply it to something else? It's kind of challenging them really then to come up with a reason. And Sometimes people, sometimes people's intuitive responses are fine, but usually if you can probe a little bit deeper and say, um, you know, why do you say that? It's so much more useful. And when I'm teaching workshops and we have a thing at the end, which somehow I avoid calling a critique, but <laughs> we call it a wrap up and just go around and look at everybody's work. And I, before we even start this thing, I say, Hey, it's good if you want to say to somebody, hey, I like your color or something. But I'm going to ask you to take that one step further and say, I like the way you're using warm and cool colors together. It's very effective. Or I like the way there's that little spot of bright color and it's surrounded by neutral color because it really adds a lot of contrast or something like that. You know, And that that requires the person giving the suggestion to think and go deeper. And it's very much more helpful to the person hearing it. Um, so yeah, kind of trying to dig a little deeper into what people say, um, definitely a good idea. <laughs> um, and I think when you're, when you're involved in this whole thing, you should feel respected. I mean, as the artist, feel the person respects you, they interested in your ideas and you just sense this right away that it's a good it's a good learning situation for you and sometimes for them as well because I know I've been in the position of giving feedback to another artist and when it's really a conversation I'm getting a lot out of it too I mean I'm saying something like oh I find your use of mark making so interesting and and you know how did you get this effect and then we start talking about something and and so when I said you know to reciprocate you're going to get a lot out of it if if it's a good relationship to go into their studio and give them the same um, kind of feedback they've given you. Um, and and I, when you're involved in this thing, even if somebody if somebody's giving you feedback, and even if they say something that makes you feel a little bit defensive, okay? Um, so I, I remember one time somebody, I was just showing somebody my work on my phone, basically, or my iPad or something. And um, he said, oh, is that done? <laughs> and it was during my very atmospheric phase, and they were very subtle. And I felt defensive in that moment. Well, yeah, it's done. And then later, I thought, there's something that's not coming through as well as it could be. And so even though I felt defensive in the moment. It was still worth um, thinking about it. And so from your own point of view, trying to avoid those making back to the person defensive remarks or deflective remarks, like, I don't really want to go there. Let's talk about something else now, <laughs> which we can be pretty skilled at doing that, right? Um, I find it very useful to take notes and even either right in the moment when someone's talking or right after they go, because you forget a lot of stuff and you get caught up in the conversation and then taking a few minutes to write down what they said 
and I have to say, reading back over some of my own notes um, from conversations that I've had, say, at an artist residency where another one of the artists comes in and really talks to me about my work, and I write stuff down, and it's really helpful because there's just too much to process in the moment. Uh, think about any questions that you want to use as a follow-up because usually can get back to the person and say, hey, I wondered what you meant when you said this or that. You know, you can feel free to ask people to clarify a little bit, even if you kind of ended the whole session. Um, and just kind of pay attention to your gut feelings about things, if, if they seem to be tuned into you or not. And I think the last thing I would say is uh, is to say thank you. And people don't always do that. But when somebody is giving you a good critique, that takes a lot of skill and focus. And it's really a gift that they're giving you. So be appreciative um, and, you know, gracious. So that's kind of my advice about just engaging in critique, trying to learn from it, trying to trying to control it to the point that you, you're kind of setting up the parameters, but yet also letting go because if you're trying to be overly controlling with the content, it's not useful and you don't know what the person's going to come up with that you would never expect. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that high, a high value source is, is really what you need for a high value critique. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's not necessarily easy to find. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in, in the business world, people will pay thousands of dollars for a consultant mm. to come in and tell them what they're doing wrong mm -hmm. and what they're doing right. And, and I think that, uh, you know, we, we need to have that same kind of idea, not, not necessarily about paying a whole bunch of money to somebody, mm -hmm. but, um, you need to really consider who it is that is giving you a critique yeah. and that, and that's going to determine how valuable that is and how you assess that information. Yep. And I, I think that it's, um, it's something that you need to seek out if you want to find good critique, which is really necessary to push your work. Um, you, you really need to have it. And, uh, um, I think that it's something that you need to seek out and, and a good way to do that is, is taking a workshop from somebody that you respect, um, or reaching out to somebody, um, who, who you, whose judgment you respect and asking them for it. Yeah. Um, but if you don't do that, you're not really going to get it. Right. Uh, that's a super important, I mean, consider the source, find the source, be proactive in getting the source that you feel would be helpful. Um, and, and don't avoid people that you think would be challenging, um, to you because kind of what you want, um, but avoid people that you feel would be just simply um, coming at it from their own ego or their own need to be powerful or something. And and considering what, what their background is. And, and, you know, it's not always about whether they got a degree or, you know, even if they're selling in galleries or any of that stuff that we look at as signs of success. It may be something about them as a person and their perceptions that, are really valuable, even if they're not, even if they don't have an art background, but you trust that they're a perceptive person and they understand you. And you can have some really interesting conversations um, with people that you might think were a little outside of your realm, you know? <laughs> and so it, it gets down to their character, I think, as well as their kind of ability to perceive and communicate. And 
And of course, somebody that has a lot of background and everything is going to offer you something different. They're going to say, hey, have you looked at the art of so-and-so? I think you might appreciate that or learn something from it. Or you know, they have just more um, stuff to draw from that can point you certain ways like a, a good instructor would do. Uh, and, and get a mixture of things, honestly. I mean, you don't have to get just get one person to do this. Um, even at the same point, it's kind of interesting to get two different perspectives um, if you're stuck or something. But it always kind of gets down to you. Like, you have to evaluate what's the source? How am I going to use this? Is it useful? Does it apply? Um, and I think that we really need to consider, too, what is the work that we are going to be asking about? Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's uh, so I mean, the the least constructive critiques I've ever had were in school because it was assigned projects. Right. It was here. Here's the the framework that you need to work within. And much of the time it had absolutely nothing to do with any kind of work that I was interested in pursuing individually. And so what use is a critique to me on on a project that I have no investment in? Yeah. Personally. Yeah. And and then it's also, uh, you know, as a career artist, do you want to present work that's older? Do you want to present the, the work that you're working on right now but is unfinished? Um, do you want to present something kind of in between? Um, so you really got to consider what, what is it that I'm going to present to somebody in order to get the most valuable feedback? Yeah, good point. And I mean, it, maybe there's something from the past that you look at now and you say, hey, you know, there was an idea there and I really like it and I kind of would like to get back to that. So maybe you show them that older piece and then you show them what you're doing now and some, looking for some kind of synthesis of ideas or something that you want to talk about. Uh, absolutely, yeah, set it up. I think, you know, putting this kind of work yourself into it before and not just sitting down and expecting to be a kind of passive recipient of whatever happens, but having enough insight into what you're after to set the stage and and then open it up and then allow to happen what will happen um, makes sense to me. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of different messages we get about our work and and a lot of different ways to respond to them. And I think it's it's kind of a it's a challenge to distinguish what's helpful, what isn't sometimes. Um and I think we all want to avoid falling into um a lot of negativity about our work as a result of somebody saying stuff to us about it. But this kind of constructive critique that we've been talking about is uh, for myself has really resulted in some of the most interesting ideas um, that I've followed and has opened up doors um, kind of clear away the fog you know sometimes present new possibilities and and so hopefully these kind of things that we're talking about will help you find that situation which can be have such a good impact on your work well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.